there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up? What's up, everybody? Welcome into the Orange Zone podcast. A reminder, you can find every episode on Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. If you're watching on YouTube, what's up from the Skycam? Appreciate you subscribing, liking, commenting. We've been getting great feedback, and we're absolutely loving it. Today, we're getting into SU men's hoops, SU women's hoops. We're also getting into some trivia. It's a good, fun show happening to you. And we have a great crew, Tommy Sladak, Samantha Croston. We have SU's all-time leading scorer. Mm-hmm. Lawrence Poetry and Moten, and we have Rachel Culver on the producer mic. Rachel, put the camera on you. Let the folks say hello. How we doing? Hello. How you feeling? You know, I'm I'm all right. Yeah. I'm hanging in there. Good. How's the headache? Headache is better. I have revived myself from yesterday's struggles, and we push forward. We just been going. People just go down this time of year. <laughs> I was down for the count for a bit. Uh, the Syracuse men's basketball team—they were down over the weekend, bad. In fact, it was a historic loss, which you never want to talk about. Mm. And they responded mm. in a big way, beating Pitt 69-58 to in Pittsburgh at the Peterson. Oakland Zoo in attendance, and they got it done. Poetry, immediate reaction from last night. Uh, great win, first of all. Uh, gut check. Mm-hmm. You know, I can say that, Tom. You know, what's very important is when you, when you get beat as bad as you did in North Carolina, um, you're going to see how much you uh, take that and come back from that. And they did a very good job of playing in Pitt, a, a hard team to beat on the road. And they did that. Great team play. You know, um, I'm liking what I'm seeing. And I got something to say in a couple of minutes that I think will be very important uh, for the success for this university's team. Here Why are you go. holding out? Why are you holding out on yeah, us? Yeah, do we do we address oh, well, this right now? Oh, well, oh just, we gotta let it. We gotta let, let it, it materialize. You, you, you know, Moen. He needs to flow. kind of let it cook, let it yeah, simmer yeah, a little yeah. bit. Yeah. We're gonna let it flow. But um, I honestly, I'll get it out the way. I'll get it out the way. Let's do it. These next three games, after beating Pitt, I think is going to be the next step of the ladder to give us a chance of making the NCAA. Boom. Right there. He said it. From 12 and 5 to 15 and 5. Three home games. We've been protecting our home court. That's the big part right here. And and then I think we'll take care of the rest. I said 22 and 9 by the end of the year. That would that would feel great. That would feel, that would feel great. And, and those you three anticipate games, that they'll win the th- next three games coming absolutely up. Absolutely at home. There that's, you go. That's the goal. So it's Miami coming to town on Saturday noon start. Um, it feels like the first like sat- normal Saturday game we've had in so long. Mm-hmm. You know, not including totally. the holidays or anything. Because there's a lot of home games coming up. It's been a bit. It's been a minute. You then have. FSU coming into town on Tuesday, and then the following Saturday, North Carolina State. All three are winnable games. All three are also games where we could see things going a little haywire. Absolutely. 
But that's the whole point of why poetry brought that up because this is a huge, huge opportunity for them here in like January. Especially because I do feel like to start the year, they, they've had away games. They've had games at neutral sites. The fact that you have not only a game at home, but three games in a row, mm -hmm. I feel like it's the opportunity to regain that momentum. Mm -hmm. And it actually started on the road against Pitt because, again, the biggest thing that stuck out to me was the fact that they could recover so quickly from the UNC loss. Yes. I feel like that was a, it was a tough loss emotionally, I'm sure, to, to see that you were down so badly. And then to come back on the road against Pitt and really have I, what I thought was probably the best collective team win that they've had, the most balanced team win that they've had all season, mm -hmm. it shows a lot about their ability to recover. And we've seen that in the past, right? We've seen that against Colgate and some of the lower level teams, even in game. But I think it says a lot about this team's mentality moving forward. And I have to say, I agree with Moten. I think maybe you don't have to win three out of the next three, but two out of the next three seems like a milestone this team's trying to reach. I think tournament, though, I think you need, need those three. Because mm -hmm. we've seen it. End of the day, you know, w what is similar this team has compared to, you know, last year's team is, and actually the year before that, is they're beating the teams they're supposed to be beating mm -hmm. and they're losing to the top 25 teams. Yeah. And that's what, you know, and losing 20, badly. And losing badly. And that's what 2021 and those teams, you know, kind of in the last seven, eight years that didn't make the tourney yeah. is they had those wins over the ranked programs. This team doesn't isn't showing that right now. So it's these games right here where it's you got to stack those wins Absolutely. and you have to get those quad ones. And of course, the quads are what we're paying big attention to. Last night, Pitt was a quad win, one win. Right now, they're not. Mm -hmm. And the quad is used with net rankings, which the, the selection committee uses to help determine who makes the big dance. And if you are playing an away game against a top 75 net ranked team, that means quad one, neutral side is, I believe, 50, mm -hmm. and home is top 25. 25. So that's already out. But as Poetry brought up uh, before the show, we are keeping track of Oregon. Syracuse fans, you root for the Ducks now mm -hmm. because they are number 51. That was a neutral site, so that gets into top 50, and boom, you're looking at a quad one win. And you root for Pitt now, too. That's the oh, thing. Yeah. All, oh, all yeah. of these are things that could change. It just depends on what these teams do with the rest of their season, which is really weird in a way that the success of your season also relies on the success or failure of other teams, too. But right. let's see. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Rooting for Pitt, rooting for Oregon now. And last night's win, um, again, just a great effort all around. The first half, I thought they played terrific. Mm -hmm. We saw that moment where Kadir Copeland, Benny Williams got a little bit of a pushing and shoving match with the Pitt players. Luckily, technicals offset, they let him play on. Was I think, you know, the, the refs saw it as we saw it. Yeah. It just felt like a rivalry game. Absolutely. And they're just getting a little scrappy and playing. Um, who stuck out to you the most if there is one player or was there a moment for you? Well, there, there was moments, you know, like Sam said, everybody um, contributed and played well. You know, Bell came off hitting some threes. Mm -hmm. I was finally happy to see Justin make some threes for a change. And, and, you know, Copeland came in and did his job. You know, Benny played solid. It was an all-around team, team effort. You know, J.J. came through. Yeah, 17 for J.J. Yeah, I thought yeah, he looked yeah, confident yeah. as heck, man. He has a real good mid-range game. J.J., if you're looking or you're listening – Mid-range is your thing, buddy. You're not a three-ball guy. Let's keep it real. You're a great penetrator, and you can hit the mid-range shot consistently. I've seen it, so do it. I love when he cooks one-on-one. -on -one. It's, 
so fun to watch. Yeah, I was going to say, J.J. Starling's the person that stuck out for me, led the way for Syracuse, 17 points on 7 for 11 shooting, including 2 for 5 from 3. I mean, actually, the whole team, I thought, shot pretty well from behind the arc. But yeah. in general, shot 47% from the floor and went 10 for 17 from three-point range. Really one of the best shooting outings of the season entirely. But But I'm happy that you brought J.J. up because I feel like that's something that all Syracuse fans have been interested in and focused on this entire season is Syracuse's backcourt. Mm -hmm. And it felt like this was the opportunity and the moment where you saw J.J. Starling really step it up and the offense flowing through him in many ways. Yeah, yeah. He, he's, been, he's been playing really solid the whole year, I, I would say. You know, and people need to understand, it's not easy when you're from Syracuse, born and raised, and, and have to come out and play and, and, and people are expecting so much out of you. He's doing his job. He's doing what's asked of him, and that's all we can ask. Yeah, when you're the local legend, the yeah. expectations oh, are man. just higher. And Absolutely. so, Absolutely. I never, I never blame people. You know, no matter how much they love their hometown school when they go away. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. and and a perfect example is that is uh, you know Sire Torrance from mm -hmm. CBA and football. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people expect him to go to Syracuse, and yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a bummer. We love watching him. We love to see him in orange. But end of the day, when when you when you grow up somewhere, sometimes you're just you're dying to see something else. Yeah, speaking from experience, you know, um, coming out of high school, you know, I was going, I was going to go to Maryland University. Wow. You know, it was close mm -hmm. to home. I signed a letter of intent, me and Daniel Marshall, and things happened the way they did, and they didn't accept us. And Syracuse was my second choice. And as I think about it, you know, I definitely, you know, God makes no mistakes. But it was the perfect thing because I didn't have to worry about giving my friends tickets or, or worrying about uh, people, you know, bashing me when I didn't play well or anything. I went up to Syracuse six hours away. I could stick, stay focused on my own and handle my business, and, and I did that. Yeah, that's interesting. Rachel, what's what stuck out to you last night? I know you have down here um, a very interesting stat about Pitts, one of their big players, and what the Syracuse defense was able to do to stop him. Yeah, I mean, Pitts – Carlton Carrington, who's their stud freshman. What a name, by the way. Actually, I think he's also the youngest player in the entire ACC right now, which is pretty cool. Like 17 or something yeah, like that? Yeah, he's like a child. But <laughs> <laughs> he averaged um, 17 points coming into the game and was held scoreless on 0-10 to 10 shooting. Yeah. Wow. In 0-7 from three-point range. So I thought that was a really good display of just the dis defensive effort that Syracuse put in last night. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And he's an NBA guy. Um, uh, he's definitely a pro, uh, big guard. You know, uh, he Carmelo Anthony mm -hmm. is is a guy who who uh, he looks up to a lot. He's from the Baltimore area, you know, and I know a couple of the Baltimore guys who talk highly of him before he even got the pit. So um, the sky's the limit for him. He's going to be a, a good player, but I'm glad he didn't play well against us. Big time. Yeah, I have to say. Listen, end of the day, Syracuse has just done a good job against Pitt. In general, man, pulling off the regular season sweep. I think it's important to also note that they held the Panthers to just 35% shooting overall, 5 of 26 from deep. Like, Pitt did not have a good shooting night last night, no. and Syracuse did, and ultimately that was the difference. I'd still like to see even more offensive production from Syracuse, even though that was the story. Because, again, if Pitt was shooting a little bit better, I do think that this really was a 50-50 game going into it. Anybody could have won it. Syracuse did all the little things that made the big difference.
Big time. And good good question here from Rachel in our notes. She says, you know, in a couple of early games, we saw a pretty balanced production from Mintz and J.J. Starling. How does the team get back to that? And do you see Autry developing the offense into one where they can both shine? Or do you think there will be one that's, you know, a bigger offensive threat throughout the season? I, I have a few thoughts on this. And I think I've been – I think I've – I don't want to say outwitted myself. I think I was just wrong in that I felt that if one of them didn't have a game, the other was going to have to have a game in order for Syracuse to win. And in some games that's applied, but it's the production and the development of Chris Bell and Malik Brown and Kadir Copeland that has me thinking we don't need to have that. It's, it's certainly a bonus, but I think there's other guys that can be the ones that go and put up 25 points where in the beginning of the season, I really didn't think that was going to be the case. What about you guys? Yeah. Well, I think that um, personally, we, we still don't have a consistent number two score. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a rotation, uh, yeah, right? It's mm-hmm. a rotation. Of Is players. that good or bad? <laughs> right. That's really the question. That's not good. Mm-hmm. That's not good. I would like two consistent scores that we know would get 18 to 15 to 18 points consistently each game right i think will give us a better understanding of the, the team we have you know but overall you know um everybody's really playing hard and i like the i like the rotation that archery adrian is doing you know giving guys a chance you know uh, even putting the young the young guy in curry at the center position you know he's active mm-hmm. you know he's probably he's committing fires but he has to learn the game he's very active and we're going to need him now that the big guy is going to be out for the season exactly so, so that's going to be uh i think that'll help him going into there's more the more he'll play the more to help him for sure right and Nahim mcleod starting center at the beginning of the year seven foot four transfer um he's out for the season had surgery on his foot and it's one of those where I think we all realized pretty quickly that he was coming in only averaging 14 points a game. Mm-hmm. Malik Brown was quickly coming in and taking that role. But the big question in the first time we saw it was last night where, okay, Malik Brown is 6'8". He plays like a bigger dude for sure. We all give yeah. him credit for that. Yeah. But in a case like Pitt where they have, you know, sometimes a four and a five on the court yeah. at the same time he where looks Federico, Federico, yeah. Yeah. they're both seven foot, yeah. you know. Yeah. That's when you have the Monir Hima or Peter Carey. It was kind of what are we going to see? Because Autry is going to need to adjust when they're playing really tall teams. And last time was the first time we saw it. I agree with that. And to answer Rachel's question just concisely, I do think, yes, there is a version of the story where you can have an offense where J.J. Starling and Judah Mintz are both shining. Maybe not exactly at the same time, but they're rotating out or they're playing off of each other. But I do think while we might not have that that number two consistent score, I feel encouraged by the fact that there are so many other guys on the team who are showing some kind of production value. I mean, even you mentioned Justin Taylor. Mm -hmm. You know, those those two threes – they, they mattered. It was only yes. two threes, but they yes. felt important. Absolutely. Absolutely, Sam. They did feel important. But I'm going to give you the number two score who I think. Oh, I love this. Love it. If, if he just, it's in him, but he doesn't know it's in him yet. And that's Malik Brown. Mm. Malik Brown could be our consistent number two score because at the end of the day, we're definitely going to need that going into the latter part of the season and hopefully into the NCAA tournament, you're going to need an inside game. And he has the potential, but I don't think 
there's times where I, I see him and I, I, I say, go, just go. Adrian's letting you play, just go. And he's still passing it and screening when, when you have the shot. And, and most of his points are off of putbacks. Mm -hmm. You really haven't seen him get the ball on the post and make a move. And that's why I think that we need to get him to give, the, give him the confidence to want to do that. Red said exactly that after the Duke game when no, he had he the 26 points. He was like, he's like, I think he's just starting to, mm -hmm. to get there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, it's probably something that he's been trying to tell him mm -hmm. for a while. But just having a game like that, I'm sure that did wonders to his confidence. But now it's just about finding that consistency. Yeah. And, of course, this is never something that you want. But you almost wonder if with Naheem McLeod out, now that encourages or inspires that kind of what you're talking about, yeah. offensive production. Yeah. Yeah, he, has, he definitely has the talent, definitely. Yeah. Well, Ashley Winskowski, she was at Pitt last night, good friend, part of the program. So we're going to toss it to her. She gives us a little bit of a recap and some sound with um, some sound with the guys who were pretty happy about the win. Here's Ashley from the Steel City. Hey, guys. Well, Syracuse men's basketball really needed a bounce-back win here tonight in Pittsburgh at the Peterson Event Center, and boy, did they get it. SU needed a get-right game after that blowout loss to North Carolina this weekend. If not for the stats on paper, they really just needed it for morale. This is the time in the season, mid-January, where teams can go on a slide, you know, if they continue to carry over some bad momentum from losses like the North Carolina game. That was the biggest program loss in program history to an ACC opponent in a decade and one of the biggest losses in Syracuse men's basketball history since 2006. So it's fair to say that they needed a get right game here today and they got it. They played a really complete team win and they really did better in some of those areas that we've been kind of harping on them the last few months three point shooting and defense now from three points you know Pittsburgh clearly read the stat sheet that indicated that Syracuse was one of the worst three point teams in the ACC because they were even playing some first half zone in this game and Syracuse took advantage of that they had seven players here tonight in Pittsburgh who hit a three pointer including Chris Bell hit three I believe Benny Williams, Quadir Copeland, Judah Mintz, and Kyle Cuff even saw some action tonight as well. And we did see Justin Taylor hit a couple of shots, which is something that Orange fans have been really looking for throughout this season. So things were rolling on offense. Syracuse with a 69-58 win here over Pittsburgh. So rolling on offense, but on defense, they looked great as well. They really guarded Pittsburgh. Now Pitt has the fourth leading scorer in the ACC in Blake Hinson, and that's something that Syracuse has really done well in their two games against them. Syracuse sweeping the season series here tonight. They held Hinson to 11 points when they beat Pitt at the Dome in December, and they held him to 12 tonight. So that's something that was impressive by the Orange defense and something that they will look to build off of for sure. There was a little bit of a scuffle here in the middle of the field about halfway through the game, or I believe it was in the third quarter. You have to check me on that one. But I believe it was in the third quarter, Quadir Copeland kind of falling in the middle of the court and getting into a scuffle with some pit players had to be kind of separated by his teammates. And I did ask the players in the postgame locker room if they feel that Syracuse pit is kind of a rivalry dating back to the Big East days, because you can kind of feel that these two teams, when they're on the court, don't really like each other. There's a little bit of a fire, a little bit of 
of a different momentum when these two teams are playing each other. And Quadir kind of laughed. He said, you know, not more than any other team, not more than any other conference opponent. But I do think that that was something that kind of shows the spark that was in this team, right? Bet after the UNC loss, they really came out and they played with a different fire tonight. That incident with Copeland didn't turn out to be much of anything. Judah Mintz got him back to the bench and the game went on with technical fouls called on Benny Williams and a Pittsburgh player as well. But that's my biggest takeaway here tonight is that it was great to see the Orange play with a spark. It definitely feels like this could have been a turning point for them if they laid down and died here on the road in Pittsburgh or they came out with the fire that they came out with and really seemed to be out to prove something here after that Carolina loss. Now this qualifies as a quad one win for SU and as of right now it is their first quad one win of the season. They did have one before in that neutral site game in South Dakota to Oregon, but that has now moved to a quad two win. And of course, we know that those become ever so important when it comes to March resumes. So getting one here in Pittsburgh was definitely great because they only have five more opportunities to do that as of right now on the schedule. And they're kind of a bubble team at the moment. So any win will do. And of course, always great to get one over a conference opponent like Pittsburgh. That's all I got for you guys right now. Overall, a great team win here in Pittsburgh tonight and one that also saw a bit of a breakout by the Baldwinsville native JJ Starling, a team high 17 points for him. So we are so happy to see that for Starling and happy to get another Syracuse win. We look forward to Miami this weekend at home at the Dome. For now, I'll send it back to you guys. I appreciate Ashley doing the work from the road, and now it's some time for Trivia to close out our men's portion of this week's OZ. Rachel, take it away. Can't wait. All right, so Syracuse is Pitt's third most played opponent, 125 meetings. Ahead of Syracuse for Pitt is West Virginia and Penn State. Mm -hmm. We're talking specifically Syracuse now. Who are Syrac Syracuse's most played opponents, and where does Pitt rank? Who's in front of them? Ooh, this is right up. This is right up Moten's alley. I can now tell. Now I now I see. We I gotta, understand why I thought that earlier. Okay, got to tap in here. Hmm. Because honestly, the first time when I read the question, I thought it was saying these are Syracuse's most played oh, opponents. Okay. I think that's why earlier I thought I knew the answer. But I, I don't. knew it was going to be a failed sense of confidence <laughs> for you, Sam. I just had a feeling. <laughs> So we're, are we picking two teams? It's, it's three, right? Three? Well, can Pitt be one of Syracuse's in the top I, three, right? So I'll give you that. Pitt is one of Syracuse's most nice. played opponents. But I didn't tell you where they are in the ranking and who's above them. So there could be however many above them. I won. I, I, have, I have one I'm going to put into the table here. You guys let me know what you think. I think Colgate's one of them. Because I know oh. that whenever they play, I always just think of it was, you know, 50 years or whatever when they finally beat that, when Cor when Colgate finally yeah. won, That's and they were ass. like, yo, it's been going back 100. Like, this this feels like a triple-digit opponent for sure. And honestly, I feel, like, I feel like I remember when we were preparing for that game, mm -hmm. seeing notes like that, like that they had played many, many times previously. Granted, the, I like the meetings one. number is insane on this. I like, know, I know. Pitt has played West Virginia 189 times. I do think we need to maybe think about – you know, the crossover of Big East I was and ACC, that. right? Because that's two a year. So Pitt does fit that mold, right? They mm -hmm. came over. Who else came over um, from the Big East? Mm. 
I like the Colgate thing. You know, yeah. I, you know, I, I was kind of thrown off because I was just thinking ACC Big East. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't thinking Colgate. But, um, hey, I'm going to go because I'm a Hoya killer. Yeah. I'm going to say Georgetown. I like that. I like that. Okay. And uh, UConn. There we go. All right. Lawrence has just tapped in. Sam, you got your three? Um, I am going to say Colgate. Mm-hmm. And, well, you should say Pitt, because remember, Rachel did say that Pitt was one of them. Oh, she did. Well, that could be yours. Well, no, she yeah. didn't say it was top three. Yes, she did. No, she didn't. She's like, I won't tell you where. She's like, they're, yeah, are they top three? I said they're ranked highly. I didn't say where. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I roll. Um, I'm still going to say Pitt. Okay. I'm going to say Pitt. I'm going to say Colgate. And I'll say, I like UConn. I'll, I'll say UConn. All right. I'll do Pitt, Colgate, Georgetown. Let's hear it. All right. The most played opponent, Colgate, with 175 games. Great one. Love that. Great one. Love that. Number two, Cornell. Oh! 128. Mm. Number three, Pitt. Wow. All right. With 125. Do you have the fourth and fifth? I have... A couple more, yeah. Okay, <laughs> hit us with them. Number four, Penn State. For Syracuse? With 106. What? And Georgetown's at 97. Oh. Wow. And wow. then UConn comes behind St. John's <laughs> with 90. Wow. Okay. All right. I guess the, the moral of the story and something we need to tap in on moving forward is for stuff dating to the past, New York teams take precedence. I know, mm-hmm. I know. Like 100%, more than you would ever realize. But that was good. Nice job, team. We should have got Cornell. We should have got Cornell. We should have got Cornell. I thought about it for a second, and I was like, "Um, I I don't know. Because I was just more so thinking about Big East. But you got to remember, you know, best one didn't start in 1960. They were wearing, like, leather shoes. They were wearing wearing wood planks when they first started hooping between Cornell and Syracuse. The rim was still a peach basket. (laughs) The rim was a peach basket. Exactly. All right, Orange Zone Podcast, Tommy Sladek, Samantha Crossan, Lawrence Moten, Rachel Cover. We're out of here. See you next week. We got a bunch of more content coming out today, so or this week, so look out for it. See ya.